Welcome everybody to the Dual Access Podcast, where I explore the intersection of technology, entrepreneurship, careers, and people. Today, I've got a very special guest, Mark Wormgore. He's the CEO of Tyree. Mark, tell me a little bit about yourself and a brief overview of what Tyree is. So, 48 years old. I live in the Netherlands. I have a long background in, in corporates, big companies uh, in tech. I've always been in tech. Um, decided to leave my corporate background behind, then started Tyree late last year, early this year. Um, what I do with Tyree is I work with software developers in the Philippines. Uh, I have a lot of really good experiences with the Philippines, and I work for startups in mostly the Belnux, so Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg, and we help them with their uh, with their software development. So that's what okay. we do. And if, if I remember right, if I've heard right, Amsterdam in particular is, is a hotbed for startups now, isn't it? It is. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of really big startups as well. So we have some unicorns like Adyen uh, here as well, but also a lot of smaller startups. It's not just Amsterdam. So, for example, we have Eindhoven. Uh, Eindhoven yep. has Philips and ASML. Um, they also have a high-tech campus, and there's a lot okay. of really deep tech startups there. I think it's all across the Netherlands. So there is a lot of entrepreneurship in the Netherlands and a lot of startups. Yeah, That's great. Absolutely. What What about the Netherlands is makes it a good place for entrepreneurs? Um, well, I think, first of all, there's just a lot of people are very entrepreneurial. I think that's mm -hmm. been the case for say, the so last kind of a cultural years. Thing, it, it is a cultural thing. So okay. I think people have been trading. It's, it's very much a services-oriented trading country. And I think we have been for hundreds of years. So it's very much in the culture. Um, so we have a lot of big companies, a lot of big international companies, especially for the size of our country. I think that's that's quite shocking. Um yeah, I think it's in the culture, really. Um, and our government supports it quite well. Um, so we have a lot of freelancers here, but also just a lot of startups and a lot of companies. We actually have TechLeap. Um, and TechLeap is a, well, a government-funded organization, but they really promote and support a lot of scale-ups. So startups that want to go bigger um, and also go international, there's a lot of support for that as well. Yeah, so I think it's a very I, good climate for startups. I guess, in a way, you're a startup as well, right? I mean, we don't have our own products, really, but I like <laughs> seeing myself as a as a startup as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I it's mean, really we started late that, last year. Yeah, I mean, you're you're a, kind of a startup, a new company, I guess mm -hmm. you could say, yes, new company, but you're helping are. startups. So it's almost like yeah. startups helping startups, I guess. But you're bringing, you know, obviously a, a much a much uh, bigger set of experiences to that. So what in particular uh, caused you to start Tyree? Um. So what in particular, I think that goes back to my, my corporate history. Um, so I worked for I worked for Accenture for a long time in consulting. After that, I worked for uh, JD, Jakob Zau Edwards. I was head of IT operations. After that role, it was really, it got me thinking to what am I going to do next? I worked there for six years. Um, it was really time to move on, go and do something different. At that point in time, I really had no idea what I was going to do next. Um, I was sort of done with my career. That, that job was really what I wanted to achieve in my career. I had nothing left to prove. Right. I spent quite some time. I talked to recruiters. I actually went to some job interviews, and none of it really worked for me. And at that point in time, I really thought, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to go back and apply and work for someone else for three or five years. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start my own company. Um, so I still spent about two years thinking, what is it that I'm actually going to do? Last two years, did some freelancing as well. And this is really what I want to do um, for two different reasons. Well, I want to start my own company, be an entrepreneur. Uh, I think that was the main reason. But then what is the idea? I really like helping people, coaching people, giving them advice. Um, 
I've actually did a, a coaching training back in 2020 as well. And there's a lot of coaches here in the Netherlands. So if you want some support here, that's quite easy to get. I think we have hundreds, if not thousands of coaches that can help people. Mm -hmm. It's not so much the case in, in other countries. So I actually wanted to help people in another country. Um, yeah, give some of the things that I've learned in my career uh, and give that to them as well. So I picked the Philippines because I know the country. I've worked with them in the past. And really what I want to do with Tari, I mean, of course, it is a business. And of course, I want to make money at the front end. But really what I want to do is help the, the software developers that I work with um, advance in their career, give them some of the lessons that I've learned in my career. Yeah, I think that's it. Mm -hmm. That's why I in my career previously, I, I worked for a consulting company that had an onshore offshore model. So we worked with developers in Vietnam and some mm -hmm. of them would come to the client site and work from there and there'd be some kind of rotation. Is that the same way it's set up no. with Tyree? No, um, okay. no, we don't do that. So we, we are consciously all remote. So the developers okay. stay in the Philippines, they work in the Philippines, they work, I mean, post COVID, I think everybody knows how to work remote. They're not even yeah. in an office. So I don't mm -hmm. have an office there. Um, they work from home. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's uh, it's quite well accepted now. Yeah. I, I, thinking back now that you've said that, I guess it was a necessity back when I had that job because there wasn't the yeah. idea of kind of working remote. And it actually was quite difficult mm -hmm. to work remotely with them with them anyway. So how big is your company? Yeah. Is it just you? Um, no, it's well, it was just me. Uh, I actually did my first uh, non-developer hire last week. So I hired an HR manager slash recruiter in the Philippines, of course, uh, because I do a lot of my recruitment there. Up until mm -hmm. now, I did that myself. It's quite time consuming and also it goes with ups and downs. So sometimes I get a request and I spend like a couple of days full time recruiting and then it goes down. So I decided to hire someone. So it's now the two of us. Um, and of course, we also have our team of developers that are working for our clients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And why why the Philippines? I know you mentioned in your bio that you know you you particularly enjoy working with people from from the Philippines. But why would you recommend people work with people from the Philippines versus maybe Vietnam or India or one of the other you know mm -hmm. kind of typical countries that people might outsource to? Yeah. Um, so in my career, I've worked with a lot of different countries, uh, but not all of them. So I did a lot of work with Eastern Europe. Um, the reason I didn't pick Eastern Europe is that it's yeah, the rates and, and the salaries are going up quite fast at the moment. Uh, so I think where they used to be quite affordable uh, a couple of years ago, I think they're they're slowly starting to get close to our Western European salaries, which okay. is really good for them. Uh, yeah. But I think in the model that maybe doesn't work too well. So I started looking at Asia. Uh, there are two countries that I have worked quite a bit with, um, India and the Philippines. So mm -hmm. I don't have any experience with like, I hear a lot of people say good things about like Pakistan or Sri Lanka or Vietnam. I haven't worked with those countries, so I can't okay. speak to them. And also that means I yeah, I don't want to give it a try just because I don't know. Um, so India and the Philippines, I think India, they're, they're quite different cultures. Why do I like the Philippines? Um, the people are very friendly, very uh, service oriented. So they really like to help. They're very committed. Um, I think that that's a good part. So I really like they're very pragmatic uh, as well, which I think is a very good fit, at least for the, the Dutch culture. Um, and also, um, I think the pragmatism, they're hardworking, uh, they're all smart. So all of the people that I work with have at least a bachelor degree in uh, information science, which is really good. The English is really good. Um, so it's less Asian than maybe some of the other countries that we speak right. to. So it's very mainstream English that they speak. Um, yeah, they're also um, open to new ideas. They also come up with new ideas. So yeah, I just really like the culture. Um, the, the reason I great. picked them, 
Yeah. Yeah. I had some experience in the past with outsourcing, just like you, um, with the Philippines. And that's why I, where I got to know the country and working with them. And that's why I, uh, why I picked it. Yeah. And I guess if, if I were going to do something similar, I would probably pick people with Vietnam because I knew mm -hmm. I worked with them. I knew their kind of working culture yeah. and, and things like that. Now I have noticed, like you said, people in the Philippines tend to have very, very good English, which is definitely a differentiator between them and, and some of the other Asian, Asian countries. So, yeah. you know, today I started working with an EA from the Philippines and it was, uh, I would have thought I was speaking to somebody next door. Uh, so that was really refreshing to, cause I didn't know what to expect. So, um, now, you know, speaking to you about the Philippines, it totally makes sense. Why, <laughs> why, why you would do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. so you've worked with some, some big names before like Accenture and, and Shell in, in your previous mm -hmm. roles. Um, what are some of the key lessons you've learned with collaborating with such massive organizations? Um, so I think my first, I joined Accenture in 2006. So a long time ago, 17 years ago now. Um, and I've worked with Shell for a long time, and this was already like in a 2008, 9, 10 area. Um, and what I learned there, so it's a really, it's a global company. So the teams that I worked with were, with were part in the Netherlands, but there was a part of the team in Malaysia. There was a part of the team in Houston, sometimes in London. Um, also there, they had offshore teams in India. So I think back in those days, I already spent most of my days on, uh, or most of my time on, I think it was... MS Office Communicator still at the time. It was even before <laughs> Link, uh, before Skype. So it was a long time ago. Yeah, so I think I've been working virtually for almost 20 years, well, 15 years at the moment. So that's uh, I think that's one of the things I learned. Um, the other thing, other things are really quite different. So in a company like an Accenture or a Shell, I mean, budgets are very different from what I'm working with these days. Uh, yeah. So for the startups that I work with, 10,000 euros is, is quite a bit of money. Um, whereas right. for a shell or an Accenture, I mean, it's still quite a bit of money, but they're a lot easier yeah. to sign off on something. Than, uh, yeah. It's not even around these types of companies. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. those kind of companies with their budgets and their revenues, it's yeah, it doesn't show up there for yeah. startup. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money. So it is different. Yeah, it, they're very cost conscious. Yeah. And how have those experiences that you had working with those companies uh, influenced your role as the CEO at Tyree? So um, I think a lot of it is, I mean, I started managing teams probably also about 20 years ago. So I learned so much about managing teams, about hiring, about recruitment. Um, I think that's really helped me. So working with remote teams, but also doing my recruitment interviews remote. If I did not have this experience with these companies and the training that I had on train and uh, on hiring and recruitment, I couldn't have done this. Uh, so I think that's probably the biggest part. I think the, the, the coaching uh, has really helped. So, I mean, in all of my jobs, I've had to give feedback um, as well. So I think that's really helped all of the trainings that they provided as part of the job. I mean, in Accenture, we had all these annual trainings to go to, but all these other mandatory trainings, um, the same thing with JDE. So I've learned just so much uh, over the past years about just about everything, about finance, mm -hmm. about people, recruitment, leadership, coaching. Yeah, I think all those lessons are really beneficial to what I do now It's Harry. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, a minute ago about communication and uh, the tools you've used, used in the past. How do you uh, communicate with your team in the Philippines and, and what's the, how can people make the most of that, that communication? Um, so it's, it's, I mean, they're remote, so they're also in a different time zone. So the, the time difference between them and us right now is six hours in the winter is going to be seven hours. So we do have a bit of overlap. The end of their afternoon is our morning. So we have, mm -hmm. uh, we try to do all of our meetings that we need to do in the mornings. Um, 
but the rest is remote. Um, so what I try to do is a lot of asynchronous communication. So sending them messages that they don't necessarily need to respond to right away uh, through email and we have our own internal Slack, uh, which I really like. So I think I also use the Slack for some more informal communications, uh, a bit more friendly or offline or other types of communications as well, um, just to build a, I mean, I haven't seen most of them in person ever. Uh, I haven't been to the Philippines since pre-COVID actually. Uh, that was the last time. So it really is, um, yeah, just also trying to build that personal connection with them, sometimes having a bit more of a personal discussion, like about the weekends or something else. Um, yeah, I think that that's what I try to do, just build a, yeah. build a close relationship. But also the asynchronous part helps with the time zones. So I, I can still send them something late at night or in my afternoons, and uh, they'll just pick it up the next day, which is fine. Yeah. Great. And uh, Tyree has a strong focus on uh, meaningful work and uh, corporate social responsibility. Yes. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about how you're making an impact, especially in developing countries? Um, so I think that there's two parts to that. The first of all, the salaries that I pay. Um, I do go out, first I work with software developers. So software developers are generally higher paid than most other um, professions uh, in outsourcing. So the people that I work with, they have quite a decent pay. Um, actually, the pay that I give them is, it's not even middle class anymore, it's the, the bottom of upper class salaries that I pay them. So I actually mm -hmm. do pay them quite good salaries. That helps them, that helps their families. Um, the Philippines doesn't really have a system where they take care of the elders. So it's really up to the families and, and the working people to take care of their families, but also their parents uh, as they grow older and as they retire. So that helps, uh, I think financially is, is a big way. The other way that I really help them is also by giving feedback, uh, coaching. I wanna set up a whole training program for them as well, where I give them a lot of the, the lessons and the things that I've learned over the past year, uh, years. I do see that they aren't necessarily as well versed in things like giving feedback or how do I present myself online on a video or uh, yeah, very straightforward things like that. How do I ask questions? How do I ask for feedback? Is it okay to ask for feedback? There's mm -hmm. a lot of quite straightforward things that they don't necessarily ask for or know how to do, um, which I think for us, having worked on corporate world is quite straightforward and standard. Um, it's a lot of those things that I do want to give them. So they're, they can grow more they can grow faster in their careers. They can find mm -hmm. even better opportunities after me. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I guess you're doing a you're you're doing a really good service for them, or really influencing their lives. If you can get them up to a point where they're almost too good for you, right, and they move mm -hmm. on to something else, and and that's the way that you can kind of keep giving back to to them and and, and their culture. Yeah. Um. So uh -huh. so the tech the tech industry is is saturated with lots of different platforms and tools. What sets uh, Tyree apart in terms of the services you offer to startups? Um. So I th well, I think the main reason is that the, the people that we work with are quite affordable still. Uh, they are, I mean, they're highly skilled. Most of the developers that I work with have five to 10 years of experience. So they're not just out of college. I mean, they've worked for quite a quite some time already. Um, the work that they've done has either been in the Philippines or often they've already worked with clients in the US or in Australia. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see if a lot that I've worked with Europe before, but they've worked with international clients already. Um, but they're still, I mean, quite affordable. The rates are 20 to 30, 35 euros an hour. If you compare that to the Netherlands, that's probably um, a fourth of what you would pay for a similar developer here. So for the same mm -hmm. budget, you could get a team of four developers instead of just one. Um, I think that's one of the things. 
the technologies that we use are the mainstream technologies. So we don't do very high innovative technologies. It's a lot of mainstream work like C Sharp, .NET, JavaScript, front-end, okay. back-ends. Um, that's the kind of work, PHP. So it's the kind of mainstream development work that we do. Okay. So yeah. you mentioned the the wages you pay them are the equivalent to 15 to 30 euros per hour. So that's actually even a, a you know a, a living wage in in the Netherlands as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, and yeah. they're coming from a country that is that is significantly um, less developed economically than the Netherlands. So that really yeah. is a lot of money to them. So that's that's really fantastic that you do for them. I mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. That's um that's quite the salary you're paying them. So you know good for you for for helping people that way. Yeah. yeah. Is that really satisfying to you? Um, it is. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying. Well, first of all, I'm enjoying myself. Um, I love challenging myself, learning new things, doing new things. So the reason I started this is also to do something new. I mean, I've never started a company before at scale. Um, I'm learning a lot about marketing and sales uh, <laughs> at the moment, which is, I mean, I'm really enjoying that. So that's one of the reasons I did that. The other part, I love helping people. Um, I love giving people advice or just, yeah, just general helping them get to the next step. Um, mm -hmm. So I do that as well. Actually, I do here in the Netherlands. I mean, I work with startups, but I also coach a few startups um, pro bono um, just because I just enjoy working with startups and, and giving them some advice. Um, yeah, so that's 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 really why I like doing this. I have no idea for how long I'm going to do this, but for now I'm really enjoying it and I just like it. Yeah, so you, you do a lot of coaching for others, but you also get coaching for yourself. What do you look for in a coach? Um, so what I look for in a coach, I mean, I've had quite a few coaches in my life already. I think the first one was over 10 years ago. Um, I think a coach needs to ask the right questions, but also I think the most important part is get me out of my comfort zone. Um, it's really easy to stay in your comfort zone and do the things you've always done. Um, but you're always going to be in the same place that you were before. So I think that's the most important part. Somebody that's going to challenge me. And that's going to do that over and over again. Um, and that's also, I mean, I, and I work with Dan Martel, um, as do you. And I love him just for continuously saying, um, you can do more. Just keep getting out of your comfort zone. And he just keep challenging, um, challenging me to do better and to do more. And I really yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, me, me as well. I'm, I'm just jumping into this myself, so it's really mm -hmm. exciting to, uh, to see the diversity of people like yourself, and, and uh, going all the way from people that have been doing this for a long time to people like myself that have never done it. So I, I get a mm -hmm. lot of value of that, and hopefully yeah. the, the people that have been doing this for a long time get a lot of value out of it as well. And so, what are the next uh, big steps for Tyree? Do you have any anything particularly exciting? Any projects or initiatives you can share with us? Um, at the moment, so I think I, I just hired, I said I just hired my first um, recruiter slash HR manager. That's been a really big step. Um, that must be a big I'm relief just, though, right? That must be a, a huge time saver for you. Um, not yet, because right okay. now well, I'm at the point where I'm right. just yes. handing over <laughs> all of my tasks. So I'm probably yeah. spending double time where I'm, well, I'm actually now at the point where I'm going to do Loom recordings of... I did that last sure. week for the timesheets yeah. that we do, and now it's for the invoicing, and then it's a recruitment. So I actually spend more yeah. time at the moment, but hopefully it's going to be a really big time saver because I spend a lot of time also doing admin tasks like timesheets and invoices. And so he's going to take part of that up. So that's going to be a big time saver. Why I actually hired him is also to do some other work for me. Uh, so the first, I talked about the training program. So I have a lot of ideas in my head about uh, training, training that I want to give and share. 
he actually has built training programs before. So he's going to help me set all of that up and actually get it out of my head and onto, well, no paper, but onto video or some kind of training platform. That's one thing that I want to do. The other thing that I've had in my head for most of the year now is I want to start a mailing list for similar people in the in the mm -hmm. Philippines. So like software developers, um, scrum masters, QA engineers, things like that. Um, and share some of my lessons with them as well, just mm -hmm. through a weekly newsletter. So that's the other thing that I am going to set up and going to pick up over the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that I've put off because I didn't have the time for it, but hopefully now with Christian on board, that's going to, we're going to be able to do that as well. Of course, that's also a great recruitment instrument for me, but it also allows me just to share more information uh, and, and the knowledge that I have with other people. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've hired, you've hired Christian to take on a lot of these tests. Um, yeah. And in, in the long term, you're going to save yourself a lot of time. And that's one of the themes in, in our Dan Martell classes, you know, mm -hmm. constantly look for ways to buy back your time. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with that time that is now going to be freed up? Um, yeah, my biggest thing is marketing and sales. So I need to, um, yeah, scale up my marketing and sales efforts. So I think that's where most of my time is going to go. Right now, yeah. I have some weeks where I have a lot of time to work on marketing and sales, and that's great. And then other weeks, other stuff comes in, or I need to do like recruitment. And I just, I'm lost for three days trying to find the next great developer. Yeah. And then I can scale it up again. So it's very much with peaks and troughs. So that's what I really enjoy. I'm going to go into marketing and sales and see how much quicker and faster we can grow Tyree. Yeah. Well, one, one last question about, about Tyree um, and, and yourself. So as a, as an obviously seasoned entrepreneur, um, what, what's some advice you would have for startups trying to scale their, um, their tech and their teams? Um, I think, well, if you're starting up, I'd say get an advisor uh, or a mentor. I'd say that's probably the most important one. Get somebody that close to you that can actually help and give you some advice. Like I said, I'm now helping us an example. I have these two young guys, they're in their 20s and they started this great new app, which is like for health, well, health and companies. So it's like that uh, employee vitality app. They're actually doing quite well. They're now wondering how do we scale up? What's our next mm -hmm. hire? Where do we go? We just have like one session a month. It takes an hour, but it really helps them take their next step. So, I mean, it doesn't cost me a lot of time. Um, I love doing it. I do it pro bono and that really helps them take the next step. So I'd say the most important one, get an advisor, somebody to yeah, um, help you, give you the advice that you need that helps. Um, and the second part is just to take your time. Um, I mean, you don't necessarily need to go fast, uh, just do it right. I would say do a lot of experimentation, uh, take small steps, and then yeah, keep your eye on the, the North Star and just gradually get there. You'll get yeah. there. And you're, you're volunteering your time to help some of these startups. Are you seeing them then go on to do that for other startups? I haven't seen it yet because okay. I've only started it this year. Uh, so not yet, but I, okay. I really do okay. hope so. Too, that too would be interesting. It would be fun to yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but hopefully they see, you know, the, the, you know, the, the value that you're adding for them and then they're going to want to give to others and, and that helps the whole community yeah. then. Right. And it helps, it yeah. helps the whole country. It helps the Philippines, mm -hmm. all these places that they're, that they're hiring developers. Exactly. Um, so let me finish off with just a couple of, of fun questions. I'll call them. Um, and you may have heard these before, but let's go through them anyway. So if you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive who would they be 
Oh, wow. I think that's a big question. Um, I think Dan would be on the list. Dan Martel, okay. of course. Um, <laughs> just because, I mean, I just love his inspiration. So not not uh, kissing up or anything, right? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I just I just love the inspiration that he gives. And I yeah. mean, I get so the calls are on our evenings. So it's late in the evening for us, uh, at least for me here. Yeah. I just get so much energy from the call. I mean, it's on Wednesday yeah. and just from Thursday morning, I just have so much energy. Uh, I struggle to like... Call. Think about how am I going to take all these amazing ideas mm -hmm. and put them into practice, right? Because you can't do exactly. them all at once, you know. No. But anyway, yeah. So that's one. I so record all of them. Yeah, yeah, Dan is one. The other one, I think, would be an interesting one. Um, so what I haven't said, I started my career actually in physics. So um, I never finished university, um, but I did start. I was always interested in physics. I still read all the articles. So, I mean, if I could talk to somebody like an Einstein or and that's the dead person, I just love what those kind of people do. And I think it's so amazing how those people yeah. work. Um, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Picking. How they would, you know, they would just like, their daily routines were very set, which is mm -hmm. one of the things that Dan talks to us about, but they would just come up with their ideas by walking around and, you yeah. know, and observing the world. And, and it's just, I, I just can't see people doing that these days. And they're so far out there, those ideas. They're like, yeah. they're not even yeah. close. I mean, they're not evolutionary. They're like complete revolutionary. So yeah, exactly. I just have yeah. no idea how they... How they do that so um yeah i find that absolutely be good to learn inspiring that, right? yeah amazing <laughs> yeah and i, I think this, the third person i think would be a tough one uh but this would be an interesting one i just started reading the book uh 10x um and i just love that book um michelangelo not sure that he speaks english or dutch he's that anyway translator um, along with but you. Yeah. yeah yeah i think that he would be i mean after reading that book and seeing what he's done and how many times he 10x through his life i'd also love to talk to him and see how he's done it and and how he looks back on his life but, yeah. yeah yeah won't be able to do that but i'd love to hear yeah and let, last question so one one surprising fact about you that people generally don't know um that's an interesting one. I think a lot of people know a lot of things about me. Well, maybe this one. It's all uh, online, you can't right? see it here. Yeah, no, you can't see it here. Um, it's the house that I live in these days. I don't live in a house. This is actually a houseboat. So we bought this oh, earlier this year. Um, it's quite on a canal, mainstream man. here. Yeah, in a canal in the Netherlands. We bought it earlier this year. Um, so I know it still. I mean, it's a concrete tub. Right, and yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's only about twelve years out. That's so it's, yeah. old. So it's it's well isolated. It's modern, but still. I live on the water in wow. sort of a boat. Yeah. Did it take you time to adjust to living like that? Not at all. I mean, it's quite steady. So even in a bad storm, you don't feel it moving. So it's uh, it's really. I just mean, in general, lifestyle-wise, moving from yeah. you know, it's almost like moving from the outside world to the inside world, right? You're you're more. Yeah. Are you more secluded? I guess. Actually, it's in the middle of the city, so it's not that bad. But the view yeah. is amazing. I mean, we're on the water and we just have like so many water birds here and we could spend the entire day just looking out the window and just watching the birds. And, and sometimes we yeah, spend too much time and then we think we have to get back to yeah. work. <laughs> but it's really nice. Do they make those with glass bottoms? I don't think so. No, okay. not that I've seen, which it is too bad. So we actually have fish and the and you know things swimming mm -hmm. swimming below you as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you go downstairs, our bottom floor actually the windows are only the top part, so the top half, because below okay. that's the water. So oh, okay, um, okay. Actually, people have come here and they thought, why didn't they put a, a window below the water? I think uh, yeah. they could do that, but it's probably really expensive. So we don't yeah. have any <laughs> below. It would be absolutely amazing to have a a window yeah. below the water, but uh, we don't. No, it's too bad. What gave you the idea to do that? Um, 
So when we were going to buy our next house, we wanted to live on the water. Uh, okay. So we wanted to live at the, and I mean, it's the Netherlands. So there's quite a few houses that are uh, at the water, like at a canal or have a garden towards the canal. Yeah. So that's what we put in and that's what we were looking for. And but then usually this house you have came a street by. between the houses and the canals, right? At least no, what not, I've seen. Not too often. Okay. Yeah, no, there's actually quite a few houses that have their gardens on the canal where you can just put oh, okay. a boat in the garden. We right. that's that's sort of what we were looking for. Uh -huh. And then this house came by, um, and we wanted to live either in Amsterdam or Utrecht. Um, this house in Utrecht came by, and we just thought we're going to put in a bid. Um, and See what we happens. actually got yeah. it. So yeah, and it was oh, very that's, nice. Um, that's yeah, amazing. We haven't regretted it for a single day. <laughs>